It is good to see all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. As I mentioned this morning, our lesson for tonight is a special one. We've been doing a one-word series, and we skipped way ahead to the word mother. I thought that would be appropriate for tonight, and so that's our lesson for tonight. It's on the word mother. Motherhood has great influence in the lives of all. From the time of birth, every child looks for his mother, his or her mother. Though some are taken away from their mother for various reasons, even those children left without a mother search for a substitute for a role. And even into adult life, there are many of those who are adopted who look for birth parents. They want to know who their mother is. Each mother is important, as is evidenced by the love and respect that is shown her by her children. Even greater than the relationship between a father and child is that of a mother and child. The Bible speaks of mothers in many different ways. We know from the context uh, which way the word mother is used in the scriptures. Most of the time it is in reference to mothers of their children. Those some, such as Sarai and Rebecca, were also known as mothers of nations. The children they would bring into the world would become great nations. The word mother can be used both literally and figuratively. An example of how it is used in the figurative sense is how Jesus used it in Matthew chapter 12 verses 48 through 50. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hands toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. The word mother was used there in a figurative sense. And even cities such as Jerusalem are considered to be mother nations, as that one is referred to in Galatians chapter 4, verse 26. Godly mothers are great blessings and worthy of honor, deserving more than just one day a year, in my opinion. But as we look at mothers in Scripture, there are some great lessons to learn. And tonight's lesson is going to look at what it means to be a godly mother. We're going to look first at the character and example of a godly woman. In Proverbs chapter 31, we have a, a very famous chapter in regard to what we know as the virtuous wife. And in the description of a virtuous wife, we see many things that allude to motherhood as well. We begin Proverbs chapter 31 in verse 1 where it says this, 
the words of King Lemuel. And we do not know exactly who King Lemuel is, although he is to believe, believed to be Solomon. But the words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. What, my son, and what, son of my womb, and what, son of my vows, do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys king. She gave him a very stern warning, and it was something that he remembered even many years, I'm sure, after the fact. But he remembered these words, these utterances of his mother in reference to finding a virtuous wife. Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. These are words of wisdom for someone who is about to, to lead a nation of people. And when we skip to verse 10, we read more about the type of woman that his mother advises him to find. In verse 10, Who can find a virtuous wife? For her word is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. So he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night, provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the staff. And her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. 
Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. As we look at the woman that is described, if this is Solomon, it's very ironic how he ended up. But as we look at the woman that is described by his mother, there are some things that are addressed here that, that speak specifically of motherhood. There are certain things that she wanted her son to remember as he ruled his nation as a king. As we look at verse 21, she is not afraid of snow for her household. For all her household is clothed with scarlet. She takes good care of her household, her husband, her children alike. Verses 27 through 29, she watches over the ways of her household. Does not eat the bread of idleness. Mothers are, are often busy doing something for the household and certainly this was a good thing in the eyes of Lemuel's mother. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and he praises her. We see a virtuous wife, a virtuous mother is one who will be honored by her household as she has served them well. And a quote in verse 29, Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. And so many other verses are in this passage that allude to motherhood indirectly, but these are the ones that, that directly pertain to motherhood. These words were so important to Lemuel that that he wrote them down. And we have them recorded in Scripture, whoever Lemuel may be. We also see in Scripture examples of the heart of godly mothers. The heart of godly mothers. One such heart that we find in Scripture and an example is in Hannah. Motherhood was greatly valued in Bible times and there were many women who felt suffering in regard to their barrenness. Rachel is another example of this. But Hannah was grieved in her heart that she was unable to bear children. And so she prayed. She went to God with her struggles. And she made a vow to God in regard to if He were to give her a child. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning with verse 9, it says, So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. 
Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, and I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Now, there are many people who make empty promises to get what they want. But Hannah's vow was more than just words, as she did, in fact, fulfill her promise to God. Let's get down to verse 19. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. She had prayed to God and he remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel saying because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now when she had weaned him she took him up with her with three bulls one ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh and the child was young and they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli and she said oh my Lord as your soul lives my Lord I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord for this child I prayed and the Lord was has granted me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. And we can imagine this must have been difficult for Hannah. And as difficult as this must have been for her, she kept her promise to God, which shows the importance of her relationship with Him. As God came before family in Hannah's cave, so should He come before family in our day and time also. Anyone or anything placed before service of the Lord is less than what is required of a Christian. Remember what is said in Luke chapter 14 verses 26 and 27. Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. <coughs> now, many might read this and think, well, why would I, I hate my family? It's not about hate. But it's about loving God more and it shows a, a great difference there. If our Christianity costs us family members or if family members keep us from serving God to the best of our ability 
We have to remember that as Christians, we are to count the cost. And it may cost us certain relationships, family included, but we must place God first. And anything in regard to family that would keep us from serving God, we need to remember that God is first. That we love God first and foremost, family second. We have to count the cost as Christians. Hannah, before she made this vow, I imagine it counted the cost. She wanted a child so badly and she was willing to keep her promise if God would grant her a son. Though her son was with her for only a short time, she loved him dearly and cared for him as she could as they made their yearly sacrifices. In 1 Samuel 2, and beginning with verse 18, we read this. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child, wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used, used, to, used to make him a little robe and bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, The Lord give your, you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they would go to their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. And even with other children, we can imagine that it was difficult for Hannah to only see her son once a year, at least as far as we see in scriptures. And in this time, she, she made him something. She made him something and brought it with her every time that she came. A little robe. Something for him to wear. And I can imagine how difficult that might have been for her to make this robe, wondering if it's the right size. Wondering if he'll be pleased with it. Even with other children, I'm sure her firstborn is very special. He's very special to God. And I know he was very special to Hannah. But yet she was willing to keep her promise. And she lent him to the Lord. She dedicated him to God's service. We have a glimpse into her heart. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord for there is none besides you. Nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge. And by Him actions are weighed. The bowels of mighty men are broken. The bows of mighty men are broken. And those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread. 
and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and He has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of His saints, but the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength no man shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven He will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to His King and exalt the horn of His anointed. As we look into the heart of Hannah, we see that she had a, a close relationship with God. Her relationship with Him was very important and so important that she kept this vow to dedicate her son to his servant. This is a good heart to have for any godly woman. Hannah is a great example. There's another, Mary, uh, another mother that I want us to look at named Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, seems to be an intuitive woman as there are many things that she kept within her heart. Look with me at Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 19. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Luke 2, beginning with verse 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now though it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Verse 49, And he said to them, Why did you seek me? 
Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Verse 51, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. This is one of my favorite passages because it always reminds me of about the five times that I was left at church. And I remember one of those times that I was left, I, I wasn't even missed until I was brought home by one of the elders. As we look at Jesus and as we look at what happened with Mary and, and what he said to her, Why, why did you seek me? Uh, shouldn't you have known where I was? Shouldn't you have known what I was doing? I must be about my father's business. Now thankfully, whenever I was left, it wasn't for a matter of days. But in Jesus' case, it was. And I wonder what those days were like for those that he was speaking to in the temple. But as we look at Jesus, I'm sure that there were many other occasions that we're not told of where Mary didn't know what to think of him. Where she probably wondered, what, what will this child be like? And I'm sure she pondered all of those things in her heart. Every mother wonders what their child will be like when they grow up. And I'm sure Mary especially as well as this was the Son of God. But she kept these things in her heart. I'm sure with any mother, they can identify with this. That there are many things they keep within their own hearts regarding their children. A mother's heart is... A deep well full of love, compassion, wonder about what may become of her child, knowledge and wisdom, and many other things. Godly mothers often pray for their children. I remember a song, an older song. It said, When Mama prayed, heaven paid attention. I believe that to be the case. As Hannah did, godly mothers do well to lend their children to the service of the Lord. And maybe they don't lend them to the priesthood as Hannah lent her son, but, but parents of children can raise them to be godly people. We as adults can set a good example for them as they grow and as they mature, teach them the ways of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says this, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now let me suggest to you that this verse isn't only applied to fathers. But mothers play just as important a role 
and the rearing of their children. The same word that is translated fathers in this passage is also used in reference to Moses' parents. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23, mothers should contribute to bringing their children up in the service of the Lord, not simply rely on the fathers to, to make all the important decisions. They should influence those decisions. They should have a great influence in their child's life. In many cases, mothers spend more time with their children than fathers do. Mothers have a very important role to play when it comes to training and admonition in the Lord. And as we conclude our lesson for tonight, I want us to notice what is said to children. In Scripture, there are many passages that speak to children. Children are taught to honor their parents. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment of promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Parents are not to be neglected by their children. Not as they grow. They need to honor them. They need to respect them and respect their decisions and, and what they have to say. And, and as they get older, we see that oftentimes parents do end up neglected. But the Bible speaks to that as well. Parents are, are not being neglected by their children in their older age. Jesus spoke against it, speaking to the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15 and beginning with verse 3. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. We also read in Scripture where there is a certain way that widows are to be treated. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, Paul writes to him, Honor widows who are really widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents. For this is good and acceptable before God. Children owe their parents a great deal of debt. 
They make many sacrifices on our behalf and we should be grateful for them. It should not be neglected. We as children have a duty to them. Godly parents will raise godly leaders in the church. The qualifications of elders and deacons are things that are instilled in them from their childhood with a few rare exceptions I'm sure. But most of the things that the good leaders in the church learn they learn at home. They learn as they are growing up. And they already have these applied to their lives and so as they get older they're ready to serve as leaders in the church. One of the qualifications of our leaders is that they must have control over the behavior of their children. And the qualifications of elders in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? One thing that the church desperately needs are those who are ready to lead in the future. To look to the church of the future, to make sure that there is a church of the future. And I know that there will be because God is in charge. God is in control. He has always had a people. And He will always have a people. But if we're going to ensure that the church survive and even thrive, we have to start by raising godly leaders in the present. They're so important to the church. They're so important to God. Godly mothers have a great role to play in their homes. As we close our lesson tonight, I, I hope that we realize the importance of godly mothers grandmothers and great-grandmothers and so forth. It's important to have godly influences in our lives. I can, can say, for one, that I've had some great influences in my life and I'm appreciative of them. We need to appreciate our parents. We need to honor them and give them the respect that they deserve. And even if our, our parents have gone on to be with the Lord, we should still honor them and honor their memory and live lives of godly service unto God. Because I'm sure that they would be proud of them. If you're not a Christian, if you need to come in obedience by faith, repenting, confessing faith in Christ, and being baptized for the remission of sins, if that's something we can help you with, we give you the opportunity. Or maybe it is that you need to come and rededication of your life to Christ and repentance. Asking for prayer for forgiveness. If there's some way that we can help you tonight, we always offer the invitation. Don't put it off. Allow us to help you. Let's see how we stand as we sing.